I'm Michelle Constant. You're with the Jet Set Breakfast. And it's at this time on a Sunday that we like to look at books and uh, see who's reading what, who's writing what as well. Now, the great author William Faulkner once wrote, The past is never dead. It's not even past. Now, this seems an appropriate quote when considering Leon Vessel's book, Encountering Apartheid's Ghosts from Krugersdorp to Constitution Hill. Vessels is an Afrikaner. He's an advocate of the High Court. He has held various positions in cabinet of the democratic government. He is a lawyer, a politician, an activist. And uh, in describing his journey, he describes himself as a gradualist because he was also a former minister in F.W. de Klerk's government, but he's been recognized for his tireless work where he played an active role in the Cadessa negotiations. He then became deputy chair of the Constitutional Assembly, again playing an active role in the writing of our constitution and later becoming a commissioner of the South African Human Rights Commission. This book in many ways is about identity. It's about our history and our past from apartheid to a democratic country with a renowned constitution. But the question we have to ask is, what does that all mean today? In many ways, the triad of poverty, inequality and unemployment has shattered the original rainbow dream. On the line with us, we have Leon Vessels. Leon, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Michelle. What a pleasure being in your company. (laughs) (laughs) What a pleasure being in yours. Leon, what an extraordinary book. Um, I think the concept of being a gradualist is something that I really want to pick up on in a moment. But before we go there, perhaps what you could do is you could open with the very first chapter of the book where you talk about the title is talking about exercising our ghosts and Mandela was a sellout. Thank you, Michelle. I am tired of listening to the battles fought by old men. I was astonished when this argument was hurled at me. My explanation of the journey South Africans had traveled to become a democratic country irritated the audience. This was my first encounter with a fees-must-fall generation. These millennials mocked me and said Nelson Mandela was a sellout. For them, the present matters and the past has no meaning. Democratic South Africa had not been kind to them. They were born in poverty and find it challenging to escape the poverty trap. To defend Mandela was a novel experience. For years, I stood my ground whenever F.W. de Klerk was called a farrier, a traitor. Mandela and the Clark received the Nobel Prize for Peace, 1993, because they tried to end the racial conflict in South Africa. The beneficiaries of this peace now trash their legacies. This leaves me perplexed. How do you live the present without understanding the past? It's the perfect way to start your book, which goes into the past, engages with the past, and takes us into the present, and in many ways looks at the future as well, Leon. Let's take you back to early days, the shift that you made um, from where you, I mean, that you made, where you came from an apartheid government. You moved quite 
rocky road, one would say, into uh, the present government. But an incident like the one you've just described, give us uh, what the impact of that incident was on you, given the past that we've spoken about. Well, it, it emphasized something very important to me, namely that you cannot live in the past, but you have to find a way to live with the past. And I found it quite sad that people uh, did not want to listen to the difficult journey we had traveled for the simple reason that their present circumstances were so dire they didn't have the luxury of reflecting uh, on the events that happened in the past. So in many ways, it in- inspired me to be involved in current affairs, to continue to be involved with the day-to-day issues that that people face. Uh, But I cannot relinquish my past. I I cannot live in the past. I cannot control the past. But my attitude, where I find myself here and now in the present, will determine the future. You do talk about uh, being a gradualist. I thought that was such an interesting phrase. What does that mean? Well, I think Professor Soudabo, uh, the person who indirectly, without knowing it, inspired me to write this book, I was quite taken aback when I met him um, in 2014 at the University of the Free State. And he very kindly said to me, are you Leon Vessels? I said, yes. He said, let me show you the cover of my book that is about to be published in Oxford. And there I was uh, on a white horse riding in a horse guard behind Dr. Dr. Verwoerd. And uh, the reason why I was surprised, I wasn't irritated, I wasn't annoyed, um, I, I just couldn't work it out. 50 years after that event, I was still the face of apartheid. And so uh, the inspiration was then to engage in a discussion, a debate, not not a blow-by-blow debate with Professor DeBow, but a thematic debate. said, okay, this is what you have to say about apartheid. Now, let me tell you, where I was at that particular juncture. For example, when the National Party came to power, uh, I was a toddler. And this is how my family and I lived under those uh, in that particular time frame. So it evolves. And as the writing evolved, I realized that Jonathan Janssen, Professor Jonathan Janssen, who was the first one to to label me a gradualist, is actually correct. Uh, I, I was not a revolutionary, and uh, uh, Professor DeBow puts it so aptly when he says, Leon Vessels is not a hero. He doesn't present himself as a, as a hero. He doesn't present him as someone who wants to moralize about his things. He simply tells us what he knew until he knew better. <laughs> so that is the story why I, if I might put it this way, I label myself 
and also borrowing the phrase from Jonathan Janssen, a gradualist. It took me a long time uh, to grapple with the issues, the impracticalities of the policy, to really understand that. It took a long while. And then I realized that but what is happening right here under my nose is pretty brutal. And then I still didn't have the courage to say it was immoral. So it was, a, one may say, it is a phased-in approach. The, <laughs> the, the impracticality, the brutality, and then finally the courage to say what is happening here and now under my nose, I'm a part of it, is immoral. So, Leon, um, you mentioned what you knew until you knew better. And, in fact, you then presented at the Truth and Reconciliation uh, Commission and you made testimony in which you said, I believe that trying, trying to hide behind a political defense of I did not know is not appropriate in my case because in many instances I did not want to know. Now, I'm not going to ask you to answer that now because we have to go to a break. But when we come back from the break, talk to us about making that particular statement. At SAFM Radio and at Mesh Constant on SAFM. You are with SFM. I'm with uh, Leon Vessels, the author of a book called Encountering Apartheid's Ghosts from Krugersdorp to Constitution Hill. And certainly what a journey it is that, Leon, you have covered. Leon, let's talk about that Truth and Reconciliation Commission and saying, I believe to try and hide behind a political defense of I did not know is not appropriate. Uh, Michelle, I was always excited about the idea of a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Uh, and, and one of the incidents that triggered my, my interest, interest was uh, the terrible murder of Uncupozzo Abram Tiro. I knew Tiro as a student friend, and Tiro was killed with a parcel bomb in Botswana before I entered politics. But I I always had this feeling that Tiro and I could be friends and that it was possible for us to sit down, talk, and enjoy each other's company. And there was this terrible murder. And I never got to the bottom of that horrific uh, incident. Who gave the instruction? Who manufactured the bomb? Who carried the bomb? Who planted the bomb? All those questions were still hanging in the air. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the official government response was one that I initially subscribed to. But as the years went on, I, I felt uncomfortable with that. And... A lot of things happened right under our noses. We sat in Parliament, debated issues with Helen Sussman and others, and continued to say, well, uh, it's not us, us being the government, us being the National Party. It's just some, some wild elements in security forces, etc., etc. Yeah. And as we moved along, this the notion of, of a legal approach didn't appeal to me. And right there on, um, on the scene, 
and in inverted commas on the scene of the crime, so to speak, right in front of the TRC, I changed my evidence, my written evidence, and I said delete the word we and amend it with I because I realized there and then I was not on the same page uh, uh, as many of my colleagues who were still embracing this notion of we didn't know yeah. uh, uh, in, in, in a legal sense of the word. And that's when I embraced it. Uh, and, I, and I said, it is not proper to have that approach. Leonardo, I, I, want to, I, I, want to, I want to move us on because I'm worried we're going to run out of time and there's so okay. much that... You, you were so you played a very active role in the Codesa negotiations, and then of course you worked closely. You were the deputy chair of the Constitutional Assembly, working on the creation of the Constitution, and uh, you were uh, the chair. Of course, at that time was none other than President Cyril Ramaphosa. Now, yesterday I heard a member of the opposition describing our president as a spectator president. And I wanted to ask you, given your experience with him over the years, and even at that time in the crafting of the Constitution as deputy chair to his chair, what was your experience? Now, Cyril Ramaphosa is a, is, is a decent man. He's in charge of his facts. He's in charge of the process that he, that he leads. Uh, if you want him to be a bold, outspoken a uh, bull in a china shop politician, <laughs> that is not what he is. He is a considered, calculated individual. And uh, politics aside, but Cyril Ramaphosa, as, as the state president, is the same person that chaired the Constitutional Assembly. Namely, wow. okay. moving uh, quietly, swiftly, humming along, as he moves the issues forward, politics aside, as I said, uh, he's not he's not a outspoken rowdy politician. You know, you are a great um, supporter, and rightfully, given that you are one of the uh, authors of the Constitution. Some people have said we have a constitutional crisis, and you do talk about that towards the end of your book as not a constitutional crisis, but more um, something much broader with regards to society. Briefly describe that for us. Well, we have to do political battle within the framework of the Constitution, and one should not confuse political battles with what the, provision, uh, what the provisions of the Constitution um, demarcates for us. Yeah. And, and in that sense, the Constitution holds, and we have to fight. It's often been said that good people uh, can live with, with poor constitutions, and bad people will destroy good constitutions. Wow. Okay, that's an amazing way of putting it. You know, Leon, when I was reading the book, I found it, I wondered as, as the writing of it, because obviously a lot of it is, is past history, which is still impacting today, but a lot of it is very, very new. I mean, you, you, you refer back to F.W. de Klerk strangely and bizarrely and quite ridiculously in many ways, saying that... Um, Apartheid was not a crime against humanity, which was quite recent. So at what point did you say, all right, now I have to put this pen down? 
<laughs> well, that is the challenge, isn't it? That is the challenge. People are often afraid to begin a writing process, and then they're afraid to, 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 to call it a day and say, well, this is it. I'm finished. And I thought I had, I had run my race in this book. And in that sense, it was easy to, to say, I'm closing this chapter. I'm starting a new chapter. In other words, I've, I'm closing this book. I'm moving off. Uh, I'm not con- uh, because many of the things will become outdated. It's time for a new, for a new journey beyond this book. But maybe not. Maybe this is a book that will never close because it does continue on the journey. I want to read uh, what you, you wrote um, in your final word to, to Saul Dubois with regards to your relationship with Mauricio. However, I have no sympathy for those who, who's 25 years into democracy, fail to come to grips with the pain caused by apartheid and make no effort to combat the vestiges of those old policies. You truly have... Um, confronted your own demons, I suppose one could say, and taken your own journey as well. Do you feel satisfied? It gives me joy that uh, my own generation, in many respects, are making contact with me and saying, thank you for telling your story, because by telling your story, you are telling us, you are telling the world our stories. That, that, that's one side of it. And the other side of it, that for the first time in many respects, my story, so to speak, our story, so to speak, uh, becomes accessible to those who, who were on the other side of the struggle and the political divide. An extraordinary read. That's Leon Vessels, the author of Encountering, Encountering Apartheid's Ghosts from Krugersdorp to Constitution Hill. And very briefly, he mentions Ariel Dorfman, the human rights activist and Chilean writer, who wrote in his play, Death of the Maiden, How Does One Remember the Past Without Becoming a Prisoner? And uh, Vessels writes, One does not have to live in the past, but you can't live without the past. Quite true. It's